electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Scott Wabner with Jim Cramer at the New York Stock Exchange. Carl and David have the morning off. Let's take a look at futures right now as we start this Monday morning. Dow would open lower by about 37. S&P basically flat. NASDAQ a little bit of a winner this morning, up 20. Rates are in check, and that is probably the reason why the NASDAQ likes that thus far. Our roadmap starts with inflation risks to the market. Goldman says fears are probably misplaced. Billionaire hedge funder Paul Tudor Jones says bet heavily on every inflation trade if the Fed keeps ignoring higher prices. Plus, the Bitcoin bounce. The cryptocurrency nearing 40000 once again after Elon Musk says Tesla could accept it again. And Lordstown shake up. The CEO and CFO are out this morning. Shares are tumbling ahead of the open gym. It's great to be back with you here for the first time in seemingly forever. My first trip down here. Um, Paul Tudor Jones, though. I thought literally I couldn't stop taking notes fast enough because I thought everything he said was a roadmap for how we should be thinking about the markets this week with the Fed meeting coming up midweek. I like to go over... Uh, everything is happening this morning with the research, what's going on in the papers, what people are saying. Forget that. I, I stopped. I stopped because of Paul Tudor Jones, because he is such an influential person. I think people, anyone who's worked with him know he's a great person. And he did lay out a rather stark view about what's going to happen later this week. So for anyone who is trying to make sense of what can happen, he did indeed put it on a silver platter. He teed up the debate yes. so well as to what is taking place in the marketplace right now, what the Fed should do and when, are things overheated or not, and what happens if the Fed actually does talk about tapering and acknowledge that they're moving closer. He says there's going to be a taper tantrum. All yes. this against the backdrop of the S&P 500. At a closing high. Look, if you listen to him and you listen closely, what he's saying is there probably will be a stay of the course. And at the stay of the course, he's all in the inflation trade. And we've got the ones that you need. I mean, you can argue it's Bitcoin, you can argue it's gold. Or frankly, it's just go right back to Freeport, go right back to Caterpillar, go right back to Alcoa, which got a number bump today. Just go right back to those stocks, which is not what the market was doing last week. Those stocks cooled off. Take a look at Caterpillar. It's the one I really uh, focus on just as a, a kind of analog. Just crushed. And we went back to, yes, Fang. And we went back with Apple, just not, you can just go back to call it Fang. But we were buying the drug stocks furiously, including ones that aren't doing well. So obviously, to me, the market is out of sync with what Paul Tudor Jones is saying, which means Wednesday is going to be incredibly dramatic either way. They either have a taper tantrum, market goes down, or we have a totally different trade that starts going higher from last week. I don't even know whether he knew what he was saying was as earth-shaking as it was. He said that the Nasdaq, if the Fed, let's say the Fed does nothing this week and says nothing and sort of stays the course, right. 
He said the NASDAQ, NASDAQ could go up another 20% from here. Just right. basically between now and the end of the year because the amount of buying that they're going to do. Right, because what he's saying is, look, business is not going to cool down. And you can be in those stocks. I like a combination of the barbell of being sound, like our friend Stephanie Link. That's right. I want to be in the metals. I want, and I think those go higher. I want to be in, in uh, certainly anything involving just rapid industrial. But he's also saying be in the semis because that's what the Nasdaq is, and that group has fallen out of favor. I, I my head was spinning because what it said to me was somebody is going to be so wrong this week that the turmoil. On a, on a Wednesday in June where I, you know, people aren't even paying attention, the turmoil is going to be radical. And he says it in his usual calm manner. Yeah. But I, I was taking notes and I'm saying, oh, my, Wednesday. I, you know, I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. So he, Everyone kind of felt it's just going to be business as usual. He's saying it's not no, business as usual. But, anything but. So he said right now he's 5% gold. 5% cash, 5% commodities, 5% Bitcoin says, I'm not sure what to do with the other 80%. I right. need to wait and see what the Fed says, if anything, on Wednesday, and then I'm going to position myself accordingly. Uh, look, I, I found myself thinking, OK, but what Tepper, what's Tepper going to say? Because he laid out this agenda of who's interviewing people. You have Druckenmiller doing the interviewing. And I, again, I say to myself, I want people at home to recognize these are not the typical billionaires and not the good billionaire versus the bad billionaire in The New York Times. Like a guy like Tepper might just say, look, you buy the banks in this situation. Uh, if, if there's a tape or tape. Well, that's part of the reflation trade, is it not? It, it, I think it is. But he may say, look, uh, you want to buy him for volatility. You want to buy Goldman. You want to buy, remember, he worked at Goldman. I just think that what's going to happen is not what's expected. And uh, you've got to tune into his programs, uh, to his to the conference. You've got to tune into uh, the Goldman piece today, which is a bat, which says basically Jay's right. I'm with Jay. Well, the, the, the bond market I need is suggesting I'll that the, the bond market is suggesting that uh, if you, actually the overall stock market, too, no, is suggesting that Jay Powell's right. The, more, the bond market is screaming. Ignore Paul Tudor Jones. That's right. You've Talk got to the hand, PTJ. Yes. yes we P- got this. PTJ has got, you know, he's going to get an ACL. I don't know. It's going to be uh, some it, 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 it's going to be Achilles tear. He's not going to be on the field. The Goldman piece. Uh, look, I believe that transitory has a different meaning. It means that the supply chain will catch up. Like, for instance, Campbell's Soup last week. Campbell's Soup is a good company. Now, when you actually drill down to the quarter, they had supply chain issues. They're not going to have supply chain issues this quarter. Why? Because the CEO, who's a really smart guy, said, darn it, we're not going to have it. You can cure supply chain. You can cure semi. You can do There's a great article today about middlemen semis not being able to find any. Well, believe me. You can, if they, if the, if the semiconductor companies decided we're not all going to chase high-performance computing and cell phones, then you would get it. The, the, the foundries would have different orders entirely, and global foundries would have different orders. And, and, and yes, you would see Taiwan semi at different orders. But I was hoping uh, that he would be, if you, the sum total of what Paul Tudor Jones said does not make me feel good. I mean, obviously, he, he wasn't there to make you feel good. Well, maybe he was just telling it like it is and sometimes doing that. And when you rip a Band-Aid off like he thinks maybe they should do, it doesn't feel all that good, at least momentarily. But you get over it. And he said even if they do begin this taper, there's going to be a tantrum. But I think his exact words, that doesn't mean it's over. Right. Look, Paul Tudor Jones, by the way, is basically an optimist. That's the way he leads his life. 
I, those of us who have been able to have the joy of working with him to be able to make money and give money to charity know that his op- innate optimism it, it, it still suffuses what he says for us. But I would also argue that if you were listening to him and believe him, Tuesday, you might want to reallocate your portfolio. Well, by the way, Goldman has another note out today that, that there's not going to be any taper, tapered uh, talk at the June meeting. Goldman. So he's, I mean, PTJ is on an island in some respects beyond just being in Manhattan, I think, is where Oh, no, I, I, look, I was, I'm a Goldman, a Goldman View guy. I mean, I just thought that I'm not saying it's a sleepy Wednesday. And I'm going to focus on the this a couple of key games that are coming up in the NBA. I am just saying that you know Jay's going to stay the course. He's not going to acknowledge that there's still that Chipotle raised uh, uh, wages four percent because he look look he genuinely thinks that maybe people should make four percent more you know in equal to the increase in a burrito. Like I think Jay Powell is a revolutionary Fed chair. I think he's saying that people don't make enough in this country. And until they make enough and until more people get a job, he's going to stay the course. And these rich people can come on and say that there's that he's causing inflation or stoking it. He's saying maybe it's time that we can get more people to work at higher wages. Maybe it's time that capital, the wealthy people, don't make as much money. And look, that's I mean, maybe because he was a banker, people think that that's far afield. I think he's saying, you know, we got to change the way America works. And until we you know, get to our inflation target, I want I want people who work at McDonald's to make more money. Now, you could say why? You know, he's an unelected guy. He shouldn't have any right to do that. I don't know. Dual mandate. No one ever says that people are underpaid in this country. The people who come. I mean, no one billionaires. I've never heard a billionaire come on and say, you know what? I, I've been watching corporate America. And the people who are making $100 million, the CEOs, they should just write checks to the people who make less at their company. No one says that. I mean, is that too Robin Hoodish of any form? Look, Scott, there are too many people who don't make enough. And there's too few people who make billions. And that's this whole issue that the ProPublica, that's, that's what America doesn't, believe me, if you're a billionaire, you should be saying, how do I prevent an insurrection? And how close on January 6th did we come Mm -hmm. to a successful insurrection? So I think the billionaires ought to unite and figure out how to give money to actual people and not claim that we can allocate charity better than the government. That's not the point. The point is, we don't want, you know, if you're a billionaire, you should be thinking about how to stop what can happen in this country. Because that's what happened in Russia, okay? They're just a couple of billionaires. And the rest of the people said, this is wrong. Lenin gets to the, the Finland station, he goes to, gets to Russia, and he goes, this is wrong. And Lenin's nobody. And then suddenly Lenin is a, a, doc, you know, a dictator who's killing people. You don't want that. Why is that so well, far afield? You know, look, I, I think... He has thoughtfully been thinking about those questions for an awfully long period of time. Yes. That's why there is a Robin Hood to you know, that's yes. He to begin with. But but he's in not in the majority. Paul Tudor Jones, I mean, I, I did a conference for him last last year. And I got a person the personal letter, okay, I'm a sucker for it. I showed my wife. Up then he said, Listen, you know, I, you can count on me to do anything. And I explained to her, I said, Do you know that you you can count on him to do anything for you because you helped? I mean, this man, I'm not saying I don't want to make this man into king, as he said, he, if I were king. Well, if he was, there would be no more Bitcoin. But Right, right. There'd be no more Bitcoin. <laughs> Which we'll but, get to in two seconds. But there also would be far more wealth for people who don't have wealth. And I like that. 
So uh, on, the, on the Bitcoin thing, because I do want to ask you about that. He said if he were king for a day, he'd stop the mining of it because of the environmental issues. But another person who's been thinking a lot about the environmental issues of Bitcoin is Elon Musk. Right. Now, Bitcoin, you see what it's doing this morning? It's up a lot. Why? Because he said Tesla may start accepting it again if the environmental issues are taken care of. And you see Bitcoin this morning, Jim. There it is. It's, uh, it's up 7%. I think it was up even more than that. Well, we have to do something about that. And we have to do something about the idea that this is a currency uh, when, when one person can tweet and just have it go uh, stratospheric or at least up, up a lot. I know, again, to revert to Paul Tudor Jones, he talked about the idea of raising margin rates for meat. I think that if you had pushed him, and Andrew did, I mean, there's, you, know, you can only devote some amount of time to Paul Tudor Jones. I think you would have said, yeah, the margin rate should go up for crypto. Let's do this. Since you mentioned it, let's listen to what Paul Tudor Jones said about that very topic. If I was Fed chair, I would have raised margin requirements two years ago. I would have said, okay, we're going to experiment with a unproven, untried, uh, negative real rate uh, economic program is going to encourage a lot of leverage. I'm going to raise margin requirements because I want to signal you need to be prudent. We want you, yes, we want asset prices to rise. We want you to take risk. We want to extend duration. But you need to be prudent in how you use your leverage and what you invest in. Okay. Now, you know, I'm sure the Reddit crowd is listening to what he said and said, okay, Boomer, you know, whatever. Oh, yes. Whatever. Boomer. But what do you make of, of PTJ's? Right. There. He's right. I mean, look, here's what's happened. You go back to what happened with the uh, the Great Recession. If Greenspan had just said, listen, mortgage rates are uh, we, we're going to take these up. But more important, I want banks to have far more uh, equity you have to put down before you can get a house. Then we wouldn't have had the Great Recession. We just wouldn't have had it. And, I mean, it just wouldn't have occurred. It's the central banker was just dead wrong. I think that, yes, margin rates should be really high because this stuff has to stop. These people are just play, trading. Help, will we know it? I mean, do they hate? Look, they already hate me. I'm in a top 10 hatred list of Twitter. <laughs> well, you know what? I thought it was Bring a love it on. I mean, do I, what am I supposed to do? Change my life because these people hate me? Well, it's part of the reason, I think, why he said that things right now were bat. You know what? Crazy. Right. That's how it's I'm part used to of the overall phenomenon about what he's been witnessing with the way that some of these so-called meme stocks have traded and the overall Corsair. environment that we seem to I, be I, in. I've been wrecking Corsair. I've been saying, like Wendy's, that it's, it should be higher. I did not expect it to be up, uh, I don't know, 30% on... I read what, what Reddit, what they said, the Wall Street bets. It was an incoherent gibberish, okay? Uh, no, that guy should wear a suit so he can figure things out. That guy should become a boomer so that he can figure things out. Because he was dumb as a bag of hammers. <laughs> And I know hammers are so good. I, oh, my God, the hammer people are going to be so angry at me. A dumb is a chainsaw. Oh, God, they hate me. Yeah, I like Black and Decker very much. I got to come up. Plywood. Plywood is really that's that's really stupid. We we, got to bounce. We'll be back. We'll we'll continue. Uh, Coming up, the rough ride continues for EV maker Lordstown. Both its CEO and CFO stepping down that stock. There it is, taking a hit down 16 percent pre-market. We'll give you more details when Squawk on the Street returns. We've never said we had orders. We don't have a product yet. By definition, we can't have orders. We have very robust interest, and that's just what they are. They're letters of interest. You can't do any more of that in this stage. So uh, I don't think anybody thought that we had actual orders, right? We just 
That's just not the nature of this business. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Shares of electric truck maker Lordstown tumbling in the pre-market. Both the CEO and CFO have resigned. Our Phil LeBeau joins us now with more of those details. Good morning, Phil. Scott, this shakeup is not a huge surprise given the questions that were mounting regarding Lordstown Motors and some of the claims that were called into question by a short seller just three months ago. As you take a look at shares of Lordstown, remember that what you have now are the CEO and the CFO have both resigned. So they're out immediately. The CEO, Steve Burns, he really provided the vision for Lordstown Motors, and he also was behind some of the comments uh, that were ultimately part of an independent investigation. He not only has resigned as CEO, he's also off the company's board of directors immediately. I mentioned that independent investigation, Lordstown announcing this morning uh, the results of that independent investigation that it commissioned. And again, this was looking into the allegations from Hindenburg Research, which essentially said, look, the, the, the endurance and the claims about orders are a bunch of bull. Well, they say that most of the claims from Hindenburg Research were false and misleading. However, uh, Lordstown's inv- investigation did find that there were issues surrounding some of the statements regarding pre-orders for the endurance. So now the company moves forward with Angela Strand uh, becoming the executive chairwoman while they search for a CEO. Bottom line is this, guys. They don't have a lot of cash, and they've already said that they plan to have the endurance go into production by the end of September. That is really called into question uh, now that the company is looking for new leadership and can it get there? Or, or what happens next for Lordstown? The big question that investors are asking this morning. Okay, Phil, I thought that was great reporting, but let me ask you this point blank. I said it in Twitter after you put you broke the story. <laughs> uh, Steve Burns had zero credibility. What happens if they get a very good senior hand that you and I would respect, and then they go yep. out and raise money? I mean, isn't it possible that Burns had to go? Well, I think that most people looked at the the fact that he did not have the leadership necessary 
to lead this company into the execution of production. Look, Joe Spack from RBC was out this morning saying he wasn't the right guy. If they get the right person, Jim, somebody who can come in who has both the operational expertise as well as the background within the auto industry to say, look, we're going to have to make some deals here, whether it's raising cash, whether it's striking agreement with somebody. They've got some assets, Jim. They've got that plant and they've got some, some tooling within that plant. Now the question is, how do you get to production? Their first mover advantage was really the only advantage that they had, that they could say, we're going to roll out an electric pickup truck before anybody else. If they don't start production by the end of September, what advantage do they have? Are you telling me that fleet operators are going to say, yeah, I'm going to go with this untested vehicle from a company that hasn't built a single vehicle as opposed to the uh, new F-150 Lightning? Why would I go with the F-150 Lightning? I mean, they've only sold 48 million Lightning or F-Series over the history. Why would, why would anybody do that? I mean, I'm trying to be facetious here, but you know what I'm getting at. Somebody has to come in, and they have to make moves immediately. This is not something where somebody can come in and say, well, let me see what's there and what's under the tent. Yeah. No, you've got to move quickly. Look, yeah. I've got it. We want this thing. I'm looking at Scott going back. You know, Phil, fairy tales, we want fairy tales to come true. And, and I thought it could happen to Lordstown. But you're, you're just spot on. I mean, maybe they have to just reorganize or maybe they don't make it. But, Phil, wasn't this a great dream that we thought could be an American way story? Could still be a great dream, Jim, but they got to move quick. Yeah. I mean, fairy tales are nice and all that, Jim, but not when there are so much money on the line <sighs> for investors who have piled into this name based on optimism and, and other stuff. But for another time. All right, Phil, thank you. Up next, it's Kramer's Mad Dash. We're going to count down to the opening bell. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, it's time now for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. Today in meme mania is Corsair. Now, I want to spend a second on the actual fundamentals as opposed to the momentum. Corsair is a company I've liked very much. Why? Because it's a souped-up Logitech. Logitech's been a great stock. It is the high-performance equipment that you need to dominate in esports. And I think esports are here to stay. I had Bobby Kotick on last week from Activist Blizzard. Told an absolutely terrific story. This is good. Now, here's the problem. There are going to be actual sellers who come out, like Wendy's. Now, the meme stocks require gigantic short positions, right? They require lots of hedge funds betting the wrong way. Now, just so you know, there'll be hedge funds in there taking it up. I mean, I don't know why the, the meme people think that they have monopoly on whatever they play with. But uh, whoever's the, the people, the no-name people who are, think that they're great, no Wall Street analyst could move Corsair this big. So if people own Corsair and they've been waiting for it to go to 37 and it's at 41, those people are not going to turn buyers. They're sellers. Well, the hedge fund folks are pretty good at the momentum game, too. Yes, they oh, by the way, The mean people don't understand. They are literally stooges and tools for hedge funds. They think they are hurting hedge funds. You're a tool. <laughs> All right. The opening bell is just minutes away. We'll be right back.
It's somewhat disingenuous to say that inflation is transitory, for them to say inflation is transitory, because if we look at the, the past episodes where inflation has been transitory, it was with reaction function to a Federal Reserve Board with a completely different mandate, right? They had a dual mandate. This Fed is focused primarily on maximizing employment. This is where he suggested, did PTJ, Jim, that they do this immediate course correction because yeah. there's no way in his mind that this kind of inflation that we're seeing, wages and otherwise, is transitory. Well, I just think we've never seen a pandemic and, the, and then the after uh, aftershocks of a pandemic. And I think what Jay Powell is saying, can we understand each other? This was an amazing time. There is a lot of pent-up demand for everything right now. There won't be after everybody's vaccinated. We'll go back to somewhat normal. And so I think that Jay Powell is saying, why do we have to just sit here and say it wasn't a pandemic, that it's just normal times? You need to address it with a policy that makes it that says, whoa, let's see if it doesn't calm down. Fed is being prudent. Paul Tudor Jones, does he want the market lower? No. Would he send it lower? Yes. I want workers to get jobs and let's see what life is like after the pandemic. Jay's being prudent. All right, you can hear the bells uh, at the big board. Global Payments celebrating its entry into the Fortune 500 and up at the NASDAQ. Quantum SI celebrating its listing via SPAC. So that brings me to a CMG call today. Chipotle, speaking of inflation, right? They raise prices 4% to offset that. They get an upgrade today. Ray J, buy CMG, uh, $1,800. Do you, you like this call? I love CMG. I can't believe the stock's as low as it is versus how it's doing. Once again, workers making 4%. Whoa, really scary. I mean, billionaires making 28% each year and not being taxed. That's scary to me. Why can't workers make more than 4%? Why does everything have to go to the shareholders? Why do you have to make, why do the shareholders and the management have to make as much money short term paying people 4% because, wow, I can't find people? 4%. I mean, what's the matter with the people making more money? Wait, where does it say that those people shouldn't make more money without the Fed taking radical action? But this is why Paul Tudor Jones looks at a situation like this and says, don't tell me, Jay Powell, that inflation's transitory. They're not going to roll back these menu increases. They're not going to do that. They're not going to roll back their wage increases. And nobody else is either. We don't know that. That's another thing that I say we don't know. I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, okay, so I am going over to American Express, American Express meeting at Bar San Miguel. We're talking about small business. If there's a bank, if there's a, a store that opens, a bar that opens near me, let's say I'm getting eight, eight bucks for a beer. Okay, that's not free beer. And it's a beer that is Pacifico, which is a great beer. And the bar next concur. to me. Me? I will concur. Yes, just really good. Yellow label, long yes. neck. The millennials love it. And the guy next door is getting four bucks. For Pacifica. Well, what am I going to do? Am I going to just stay at eight? I mean, it's only a matter of time. we got to let, let things catch up. Let new stores, new restaurants open up to charge much less. And I got news even for Chipotle. You know, it's not like they got a monopoly on great burritos. I have to love it. But there could be price cutting. We all just presume. I keep hearing that no one will ever cut price. Believe me, if someone comes in at a lower price, you're going to cut price. Yeah, but if there's enough consumer demand... 
to justify the price hikes? Why would you roll it up? Look at what Brian Moynihan uh, this morning, head of B of A, told Becky in the other great interview this morning that we haven't even addressed yet, where he said spending was up 19 percent on cards now yeah, versus 19, not 20. The balance sheet of America is the best, and they're not borrowing a lot. And that, that interview reassured me again. We've had times in, in, in a country not that long ago where we had tremendous borrowing and things got bid up. But how about when we have tremendous savings and things got bid up? Again, look, if you're Jim Farley and Mary Barr, good meeting today for Mary Barr, they can make more cars if they can just solve the semiconductor. But the problem is the big semiconductor companies all want to make chips for cell phones and for high-performance computing. But when we get to have feature-rich semis, and they will be there then car prices are going to come down. I mean, nothing. Do you really think that it's that the economy just nothing happens other than they keep raising prices? Things occur. I mean, there's just look, we do the disruption, disruptive technology, right? Well, they're going to disrupt this stuff. They are. And I mean, I know Tesla's charging a lot of money. Jim Farley, who's kind of a remarkable. I mean, I don't know what he like riding a motorcycle this weekend without. I don't know. He's like it. Bit of a crazy man, but that's okay. That's okay. Ford's never had a crazy man run that joint. Um, he is going to he is going to defeat Tesla. He has said that he's going to bury Tesla on mad money. So maybe he buries him in part by price. Look out, lower price on an electric pickup. Farley is about what's going to happen. Paul Tudor Jones is about what's happening now. Okay, well, then what do I want to do in things like technology where, you know, okay, rates are in focus this week, especially they're not moving now ahead of the Fed meeting on and the decision and press conference on Wednesday. Do I want to do the Tom Lee? What he says, look, Fang's coming back. I thought Tom Lee was great on your show. Kathy Wood says Tech's coming back. No, she's buying stuff. Yeah, but this other guy I know named Jim Cramer was on our show earlier this week, too, and said, I agree that that tech is coming back as a trade. And I like Amazon the best in that environment. But you agree with Tom Lee. Oh, my, yes. And I've got to tell you, here's another problem with the billionaires, all right? The billionaires are so big, no stock ever means anything. They're like just the S&P. That's nonsense. I mean, Amazon is a great... I hope that Amazon goes down because of the course correct. Because Amazon's doing amazing things, but the billionaires are... It's Everything's too small for a billionaire. Even a $2 trillion company is too small for a billionaire. The only billionaire that ever talks about an individual stock is Tepper. (laughs) They're not going to course correct this week. That's not going to happen. Well, I know. Powell has already said it. They're not doing it this week. It would be rather radical if Paul Tudor Jones was right. Well, that would be a shocker. Jay has already told you what he's going to do, which is nothing. I mean, well, is buy he, Amazon. That's what I'm saying. Buy Amazon. So he's saying. Look at those. Buy those. Powell, by virtue of doing nothing, well, is buy saying them. buy technology stocks. And Tudor Jones said the Nasdaq could go up 20 percent if they continue to buy at their current pace, yeah. which there's no reason to believe that they won't well, unless Nasdaq they shock is, us on Wednesday. Right. And I mean, Nasdaq has certain stocks that are going to be good and certain stocks will be bad. But you see, they, they can't talk about individual stocks because it doesn't mean anything for them. Like they just like he's not talking about Amazon. I mean, he's talking about. The world of stocks. Our viewers are not as rich as Paul Tudor Jones. You could verify. I don't know. That's something that could be verified. Now, that they're also uh, they're not buying Corsair. OK, that's a meme thing. Uh, but they might want to take a hard look at some of the FANG names. Or maybe they buy Microsoft. Microsoft does very well in that environment. So, I mean, I, AMD could have a rally. Look at NVIDIA. So I like to focus on what our, our viewers can do. And our viewers are not just binary billionaires. I mean, those guys probably watch us, but they're 
you know, there's probably like 150 of them that are, are uh, that are that rich that are princes. No, but you have you have to believe that our, some of our viewers, a good portion of our viewers. Speaking of course corrections, the stocks that we talk about all the time in the Ark and Kathy Wood universe that we know are popular among retail traders and otherwise. Let's not suggest it's those stocks only go up when retail decides they should go up uh, or not. The course correction in a lot of those names has happened, too. Yeah, so yes. they've come down a lot. They've done a lot of the Fed's work but for it. Think about your investment committee, OK? The investment committee gives you granularity. And you were talking and we were talking about large cap tech, which is going to have a great week if the Fed does what we all think it is. And then uh, I don't want to call it back uh, Blank. stocks, but I mean, there is a percentage of what Kathy Wood buys that needs to have incredibly low inflation and low rates and still may not do well, but they're doing well. They're coming back. They're coming back. The other area that I think we should talk about is speaking of, again, off this PTJ commodities trade. Because I know people have been looking at energy stocks and the way that they've traded lately, and they've been sort of off to the races as oil. Oil's pushing higher above $71 right. a barrel, right, towards, towards 72 Well, look, Royal Dutch, okay, is, they're talking about Royal Dutch might uh, get rid of its shale. Yeah, for like well, $10 I mean, billion, that, you know, I think, yeah, was the number. But a Pioneer, which is the most acquisitive uh, company in there, Scott Sheffield, does another equity deal and gets that. You have to buy Sheffield. Now... I had said that these energy stocks were uninvestable at one point. But then they kind of listened, not to me. It's like, oh, we better do what Kramer says. I'm not, you know, my wife would say, Jim, can I remind you that your head has to be able to fit through the door? But when I look at the board <laughs> of, of, of Exxon. Right, with the engine number one. Right, and I look at the board of, like, some of the companies that I've given to, like the National Resource Defense, the, the old days. Because I, I, I have to be careful who I can say good things about on, on TV. But that board is almost a radical anti-fossil board. And good luck at Exxon. I mean, that board is basically saying, you better start embracing plug power. You should start embracing alternative energies. Because Exxon never cared about that stuff. See, this is what's changed, why these stocks have become investable. I mean, Exxon's board, if you look at it, that could very well be a company that is devoted to be anti-fossil fuel. How long do you think it's going to be before you're watching a football game or whatever and you see a commercial that touts Exxon, for example, as the new Exxon, right? And they're thinking about they ought to do it. the ways of the future and beyond fossil fuel, as you're talking about, and opening yourself up to a new class of investor who wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. That's what they need to do. They need to be both on the one and the four and then, of course, the Sunday night game. That's who they have to attract. But I know I can visualize this actually doing what you're talking no, about. Absolutely. We're the new Exxon. We're no longer as bad as we used to be. We're like, you know, cows are bad, worse than we are. Cows are bad. I mean, if you look at clean energy fuels, that CLNE, it's stocks going up. And they're trying to get rid of the renew natural gas, like belching cows. But uh, Exxon, they could have some belching cows and say, listen, the, <laughs> these, these things... Elmer and Elsie, they're worse than we are. But not, I don't be too facetious. What they could say is we are now devoting a huge amount of money to carbon capture, to getting rid of flaring. We're the leader in flaring. And then this new investment class would buy them. And that's what they have to do, as well as the Blackstones. Because Larry Fink started this thing. He basically said, look, we run billions. BlackRock. BlackRock. 
We run billions, and we're not going to tolerate more. And he's more important than that. Okay. He's I'm, more important I, than Exxon's board. I'm so glad that you, you went there with Black Rock right. and Larry Fink. Because Morgan Stanley, Morgan Stanley today says BlackRock is best positioned to benefit from ESG investing. They are. They put it in sort of one of their, you know, they upgraded it today or reaffirmed it. But it's BlackRock, it's Schwab, and it's Wells Fargo as their top picks in the financial space right now. And BlackRock, they single out specifically as best positioned in ESG. And that plays right into the engine number one. Wow. And Exxon win. Right? I like that thesis so much. That is a great thesis. That truly is a great thesis. They are the big beneficiary because they're the most thoughtful. Larry Fink is the person that we all watch. Why? Because he's really thoughtful. You know, there's actually this notion, like Tom Lee, thoughtful. We can have thoughtful and not thoughtful. Well, you have to walk the talk, right? You can't have Larry Fink write these letters that are talking about, you know, uh, longer-term plays and thinking in the big picture and ESG and blah, 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 blah. And then BlackRock votes the other way, no, right? I mean, At some point, is, one has to, well, one foot has to catch up with the other I mean, foot. I'm reading about engine number one, okay? The, the guy's a two-lane guy. My daughter went to two lanes. It's kind of a little different. He's oil and gas. I mean, he gets it. I mean, engine number one won a battle against Exxon. No! Larry Fink and BlackRock won a battle against Exxon. Mm. Engine number one is just a catalyst. I mean, engine number one is... I don't want to be too... Fluster here, but engine number one is not a player. They're not. Well, a they're small. No one had ever heard of them before that. Well, they just. But beat, it was a watershed moment. They just beat Exxon, which had just even ten years ago was the largest company in the world. Let me get to uh, John D. Rockefeller. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Dow's down triple digits. Uh, Bob Nasdaq is higher though. Probably has something to do with the ten year. And Scott, great to see you down here again. Come by and say hello. Missed you very much. Important thing here is, yes, it's a flattish open, but we're at new highs. The breadth last week was pretty darn good here. So take a look at the sectors here. Energy, again, still the market leader. That commodity play Paul Tudor Jones was talking about, still very much in evidence. Banks flattish, tax flattish, uh, more defensive sectors like consumer staples and healthcare, modestly on the downside. But overall, I'd say this is either or um, positive or negative, uh, less than about two-tenths of a percent here. The markets this week, the important thing, of course, is the Fed meeting. But remember, we're at new highs. The breadth has been excellent in the last uh, week or so, and that's a very good sign for the market. That's what I watched at AD line. Negatives, of course, is peak everything. We've been talking about that for six or seven weeks, uh, and that still weighs on the market. But maybe, maybe if the Fed can come out and talk about Perhaps maybe a little further down the road on rate hikes, on the dot plots. has all sorts of opinions all over the place on the Fed meeting. There really is not a consensus on what they're going to say, if anything. The big debate is why are uh, bond yields so low at this point? What is it signaling? Is it signaling slower growth than anticipated or even a deceleration in growth of some kind here? Uh, remember, a lot of people very nervous about buying value. That's been a big winner this year when you get a deceleration uh, in growth here. So if you look at the value versus growth trade in 2021, I pointed out last week, it's been great uh, value. This is one of those rare times in the last six or seven years where values really had a good start over growth, about 18 percent, 17 percent versus gross 9 percent. If you were to own the S&P, split the difference, you'd be up 13 percent. What's value? Value is traditionally associated with cyclical stocks, industrials, material stocks uh, and energy stocks. And those stocks have done well. But in the last 
few weeks, the value trade has faltered as there's been some concern about deceleration in growth. So if you look at your classical uh, uh, value names, companies like Nucor, uh, Freeport McMoran, Kansas City Suburb, here you see some of these names. They have faltered in the last several weeks. They've had a great year. They have all outperformed for the first time in many years over growth stocks, growth traditionally technology and healthcare stocks. So the big debate is what happens. Now, the Fed could influence this whole debate very easily this week. So we want to keep an eye on that. Of course, Paul Tudor Jones was talking about the possibility of going very long into uh, the reflation trade, into the commodity play. Unfortunately, the market's already very much there. This play, this play happened in January, February, and March. This is XLE, the energy sector, up 46%. That's not a typo. When was the last time that ever happened? It's been many, many years since you've seen energy outperform. And materials, here's your two great uh, stock uh, commodity plays that are out there. There are commodity ETFs. There's one of them I'm putting up, up 26%, that owns commodity futures uh, as well. And there is, believe it or not, an inflation ETF that started earlier this year. I had the fellow on who started that, uh, that owns companies that are associated uh, with high inflation or that would do better with high inflation. What's that? Well, it's, a lot of them are land companies. Uh, for example, Texas Pacific Land. They do land leases in Texas on oil uh, and gas. That's up 110% this year. Brigham Mineral or what you would expect. They're a mineral company. Uh, Archer Daniels Midland, everybody knows them. Look at this. They're outperforming the markets dramatically here. The S&P is up 13%. Franco Nevada, a lot of these small gold mining companies uh, also potential plays on inflation. So, Scott, the, the bottom line is, uh, of course, Paul Tudor Jones has got a great point here, but the market very much is there. The question now is whether there's going to be another leg up in the commodity trade. But for the commodity people, it's been a great year and a year they haven't seen in a very, very long time. Scott, back to you. Yeah, good stuff, Bob. Look forward to yeah. seeing you in person as well. Let's get to Rick Santelli now in Chicago. Hey, Rick. Good morning, Scott. If you look at it 10 years since the employment report a week ago Friday, you'll see that we've definitely given up some yield. Prices have accelerated a bit. And do remember that that disappointment at 559000 but was only a little less stingy because it was less disappointing than the previous report for April at 266,000. So let's start the chart there. And you can see we're up at 170. The point is, is that if you listen to Paul Tudor Jones and the single pillar theory regarding it's all about jobs, 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 things fit together pretty well. Look at the NASDAQ versus 10-year yields since the April jobs report in early May. And you can really see that they have definitely synced together, especially if you start about one-third from the left side and move to the right. Exactly, uh, you know, the more yields go down, the more the NASDAQ seems to like to go up. Now, CRB index, this chart goes back to 2015, the fall of 2015. So you can clearly see it's not quite six years but they are elevated rates. And whether that elevation is meant to be transient or not, who's going to lay their entire bet on the fact that, well, it seems though sometimes those dot plots don't exactly work out as predicting the future. And I think Paul Tudor Jones' interview this morning made a lot of sense. Is he right? He runs a commodity fund. They're always worried about inflation. You know, you take your kid to a cobbler, most likely he'll need new soles on his shoes. You can put the math together any way you want. Finally, on the foreign exchange market, look at the euro versus dollar. It certainly looks like failing to reach the highest level since the beginning of the year. It's slowly turning, which correlates with the very dovish ECB and Christine Lagarde. Maybe the dollar index is going to live to fight higher prices for another month. Jim, Scott, back to you. 
All right, Rick, appreciate that very much. Rick Santelli. Still to come, the CEO of Novavax, the company saying its COVID-19 vaccine proved 90% effective overall in a late-stage trial. Looking forward to that. Keep an eye on those shares today. Here's another look at the markets as well. Dow was down triple digits uh, off the open. It's uh, down 94 points right now. NASDAQ bucking that. It's up nearly 47, a third of a percent. We'll be right back. Up next, it's Stop Trading with Jim Cramer. There's your S&P gainers thus far, led by Occidental. All right, time for Stop Trading. Look, I like the UBS Evidence Lab. When they come out with something that's very big, very thoughtful, looking for thoughtful versus non-thoughtful, they're coming out today and saying they reiterate they're buying Nike, but not Mm. expecting a positive catalyst report. Why? They're worried about China. Now, they also say that China could be a little bit longer term than people realize. Uh, are they talking about the boycott? Well, there's just a subtle uh, theme throughout this piece, which just says China, not not good. Hmm. Hey, I- you know, PRC is not that a friend, friendly. I mean, they go to Biden goes over. You said we even talk about it. Everyone seems united not to like China. Nike shares are down right now about 1%, and they really have been a disappointment. Oh, my God, it's been a This year. A total dog. I mean, that's my Philadelphia That's my East Town accent coming out. But I do <laughs> think that when you look at uh, Nike, it is China that's worrisome because, you, you know, Team Wall. I mean, maybe the PRC says, we really like the, the Adidas. You know, they'll do this stuff. Or maybe someone asked, someone asked John Donahoe, how do you feel? about religious freedom in China. And that's over. Well, I mean, isn't it a matter of time before someone asks him that if they haven't already? I'm sure they have already. I mean, if if he cares about Colin Kaepernick and the company, how can they not care about billions of people who are being persecuted? Someone should ask John Donahoe whether he favors religious freedom. It's the trickiest question in American business by far. It is. How you deal with that issue. Because you can say, well, of course I favor it, and I hope that the Chinese will abide by it. That's what you have to say. What, uh, speaking of, what's on Mad tonight? American Express. They're going to uh, interview. There's a lot of news we're going to break about what small business, how small business is going to benefit from Steve's query. And I've got to tell you, I will say that the fintechs that are out there that have had a free ride, look out. This man knows more. And boy, is he competitive. Likes sports, too. Some of the wrong teams, sadly. But he likes sports. <laughs> hey, Moynihan was talking about... Um, a little bit of that issue, too. The fintechs versus the other guy. I know. say lookouts. Yeah. American Express has a lot of people with that card in their wallet, including my kids, because it is cachet for the millennials who are probably shorting right now whatever the memes are. Can't leave home without it. They used to say that, right? Yes. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Picture this. It's Saturday morning and you're on your John Deere compact tractor. You're effortlessly breaking ground on your new landscaping project. Next, you're moving piles of rocks just by moving a lever. And now, you're enjoying the warmth of the sun as you clear brush across your pasture. We could keep trying to put you in the moment, but to really understand everything you can do with a John Deere compact tractor, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you.